5: Good morning, time is just gone. 11 o'clock Central African time here on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. My name is Zikon Amiso and you tuned tuned into African Dialogue. Uh, we're going to be doing this until the top of the hour and at this very moment we are on the frequency 9625 kilohertz. On the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. Now, today on the show will be uh, our discussion, rather, will be centred around the more than 300 elephants which have died from the cyanide poisoning in Zimbabwe's Hangwe National Park. But before we get into that, let's get an update from the news desk with Ann Musa.
4: In the headlines, UN presses for rapid peace deal in the DRC. Egypt's Christian Coptic minority claims gunmen targeting it again and women's leadership central to conflict resolution. Good morning. The UN has pressed for progress in efforts to bring peace to the GRC amid signs that talks between the government and rebels are heading towards failure. The UN special envoys overseeing the peace negotiations in the Ugandan capital... has has voiced concerns at the lack of a comprehensive deal that would lack to the demobilization of the M23 rebels fighting in the east of the country. The M23 rebels control an area of around 700 square kilometers in the east of the DRC that borders Rwanda and Uganda. Senior officials from seven United Nations agencies and two non-governmental organizations have completed a fact-finding mission in the Central African Republic to take stock of the country's ongoing humanitarian crisis. The emergency directors from agencies, which include the UN Humanitarian Affairs Officer, Ocha, the UN Children's Fund, UNICEF, the World Food Programme, and the UN Refugee Agency, UNHCR, began their three-day mission on Thursday. Ochar spokesperson Jans Laka says approximately 1.6 million people in the Central African Republic are in urgent need of assistance, while nearly 400,000 have been forced from their homes.
6: Persistent insecurity, the absence of the rule of law, and attacks against humanitarian personnel and assets are in many cases preventing life-saving assistance from reaching people in need. However, UN humanitarian staff have been redeployed to at least five locations outside of the capital, and humanitarian teams are also on the ground and providing aid in Busangoa in the northeast, where there has been a recent flare-up in fighting between various armed groups.
4: A retrial of former Egyptian President Hosni Mubarak resumed in closed-door session at the weekend in which top security officials gave testimony. Mubarak was sentenced to life in prison last year for complicity in the killing of demonstrators in the uprising that toppled him in the in 2011, but an appeals court ordered a retrial. Mubarak was then released from jail but is kept under house arrest in a military hospital. Last month, the presiding judge imposed a media gag on the session proceedings for reasons of national security. The West African regional grouping ECOWAS have welcomed the results of Guinea's legislative vote held last month, the ruling rally of the Guinean People Party headed by President Alpha Conde won 53 seats in the National Assembly, and its small party allies won seven. ECOWAS congratulated Condé and the people of Guinea for the political will and determination to restore full constitutional order in the country. Opposition parties, however, have called the official results unrealistic and vowed to challenge the results in the Supreme Court. The UN Security Council has adopted a resolution that puts women's leadership at the centre of all efforts to resolve conflict and promote peace. The resolution seeks to focus more attention on women's leadership and participation in conflict resolution and peace building and to address the lack of information on how armed conflicts affect them. Head of UN Women Pumzilem Lambunguka, says it's critical that the Security Council should have briefings on the specific impacts of conflict. Conflict on women. This resolution is about leadership of women and as peacemakers. This resolution puts the honours on all of us, the Security Council, the United Nations, regional organisations and member states to create the space and provide seats at the peace table for women. Recapping the top stories, UN presses for rapid peace deal in the DRC. Egypt's Christian Coptic minority claims gunmen targeting it again and women leadership central to conflict resolution. That's the news for this hour.
5: Thank you to Anne Musa for that news update, bringing the time now to six minutes after 11 here on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. You're tuned into to African Dialogue and my name is Zikona Musa. Remember that African Dialogue comes to you every Monday to Thursday at 1100 hours Central African time. And as always, you're more than welcome to participate on the show, interact with us, find us on Facebook, tweet us at Channel Africa 1 or simply SMS us to seven eight two three. 325905 Zimbabwean authorities are reportedly targeting the San community living outside the country's Hwange National Park. Now this is they are believed to have a hand in the fatal poisoning of over 300 elephants at the park. It's said that several carcasses are still being uncovered following the poisoning of the vast park's waterholes. Now to assist us in looking closer at this particular uh, subject and of course getting to unpack it for us, we've got on the line Caroline Washaya Moyo who's the Spokesperson for Zimbabwe's Parks and Wildlife Authority. Good morning, Caroline, and thank you for joining us. Uh,
3: thank you very much uh, for taking us on board.
5: Also on the line we've got Davy Ngovu who is with the human rights activist. Davy, are you on the line? We seem to have lost one of our, our our guests on the line. We also do have Zenzele Ndebele who is the project manager at Radio Dialogue. Zenzele, are you on the line? seem to be having Hello. some problems there. Zen- Zenzele Zenzele good morning We seem to be having some technical glitches at this time. Time has just gone 8 minutes after 11 here on Channel Africa the voice of the African renaissance My name is Zikon Amusa and you're tuned into African Dialogue Today on the show of course we are going to be discussing uh, the death of over 300 elephants at Zimbabwe's Hwange National Park Now this is of course due to what has been labelled as the poisoning uh, using um, the cyanide uh, poison on the elephants and we're going to be getting into to exactly what it is that has taken place there. And, of course, the allegations that uh, some of these SAN community members living outside of the park are being targeted and have been harassed, as they say, by the uh, authorities in the area. Let's check if we've got our guests back on the line. Caroline, are you still on the line with us?
3: Yes, I am. Uh, Thank you very much. Can I make uh, two corrections there? Yes, you may. Um, The... Zimbabwe Parks and Wildlife Management Authority has not deliberately targeted the uh, sun community, Uh number one. The second correction is it's not 300 elephants that have died. Mm. The official number is the first uh, uh, sightings were 90, 90 Mm -hmm. elephants. Mm -hmm. And uh, besides the the 90 elephants, we also discovered two buffaloes,
4: Mm
3: -hmm. one giraffe. Mm -hmm one kudu, one lion, uh, two painted dogs, and uh, several vultures. That was for the first cyanide uh, mm-hmm. uh, poisoning. Why we're saying there were several vultures is because we discovered this incident a month later, so all we found were just feathers. For the second cyanide poisoning, it was 10 elephants mm-hmm. and 9 vultures.
5: So, so all in all, so all,
3: in all, it brings the number to a hundred elephants
5: that have died. So it's over hundred elephants that have died. There were some reports this morning, Caroline, um, that uh, the number has risen to three hundred, but we will verify. Of course, as you have said, you would know exactly what those numbers stand at at this moment. Well, as you heard it there for you, our listeners out there, that the uh, the uh, elephants that have um died due to this poisoning are a little over a hundred, as Caroline has mentioned over there. Now, Caroline Caroline, for people who are not too clued up about this particular situation there, can you just give us a brief um, uh, breakdown of what has taken place and why we find ourselves in the situation that we're in today? Thank you
3: very much. Uh, What happened a month later, earlier, is is our rangers were doing their patrols. Mm -hmm. They discovered uh, elephant carcasses uh, that were, a number of them that had died on a particular salt lake. But as they continued with their patrols, they discovered that there were a number of uh, elephants that had died. And uh, from, from the first uh, investigations that we carried out, 35 natural salt leaks had been poisoned with mm-hmm. cyanide. Mm-hmm. And uh, we called in our professionals, uh, uh, that is the Environmental Management Agency, to say, look, here is the situation. Because with poaching in Zimbabwe, we were used to poachers using guns. We looked for cartridges. there was nothing. We were used to them using uh, wire snares, there was nothing. So we needed pro- professional advice as to what it is that had killed these elephants. And samples were taken from the soil, samples were taken from the elephants themselves. And it confirmed, they came back positive to say it was cyanide. Cyanide in Zimbabwe is mm-hmm. specifically used for mining purposes. And it is it is imported. It is not manufactured in Zimbabwe. We don't have companies that manufacture uh, cyanide in Zimbabwe. It is imported for mining purposes. But what we are learning from investigations is it is finding its way into mm. unlicensed people. And hence, poachers are now using it. Uh, as a means of poaching.
5: Now, I, I now, Caroline, when we talk about um, uh, the cyanide, as you said that it has been used uh, for um, construction purposes and, and so on and so forth, is it something that is readily available um, or not?
3: The laws of the land, mm-hmm. that is, in Zimbabwe, if you are to have or to, 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 to be given cyanide, there's a process that you go through. Mm-hmm. An environmental management agency would be in a better position as to explain in that particular process. But basically, you need a certificate in order for you to have cyanide. Mm. So that, that certificate is acquired through EMA, that is the Environmental Management Agency.
5: Hold that thought there, Caroline. Let me check if we've got our other two guests back on the line. Uh, let's check. Uh, david Lovu, who is a human rights activist. david are you on the line? Uh, Dave is not on the line. Zenzelin Debele, who is a production manager with Radio Dialogue, are you on the line, sir?
6: Yes, I'm on the line.
5: good morning thank you very much for joining us apologies for that technical glitch there earlier on but we are glad to have you joining us in on the discussion now um earlier Zenzele Caroline was just giving us a breakdown of uh, what has taken place in the last month and of course the discoveries that have been made um of over what she has called over a hundred elephants um in the area and having been uh, uh fatally um, poisoned by this cyanide which she is explaining to us now which is not supposed to be readily available for the ordinary person now, in your view um what is the what, what, what has caused this uh, situation that we're in now when we talk about the black market and of course um that um, it's believed that the these people are doing this uh, to trade in the tusks of the the elephants. your thoughts around this.
6: I think uh, from the past what I had with Caroline, I think I will agree with her that he uh, supposed to be a process that means he has to be carried out for the finite, not to be sold to everyone, and also... It's not something that is uh, available. But what happened is that this cyanide found its way okay. to the villagers ar- around the Wange National Park, of which some of them are the same community, who some of them were paid, as little, from the people that are interviewed, who have paid as little as $20 to poison the elephants, get the task, give to people. And from what I understand, these guys, someone will just go to the village and give them cyanide and tell them that when they've killed the elephant, I'll come at a second time and collect the, the task. So they didn't know where the task was going and how much was the value. And so... The day when the scandal broke out, uh, innocent villagers were actually harassed by the rangers. Some of them were beaten up. I'm talking about two guys who actually abandoned their homes because they claimed that when they were moving around the missile, somewhere near the national park, they met rangers who beat them up and they ran away from their homes. You're saying, at the end of the day, we are the poor people who suffer after getting $20. But why are the authorities not actually investigating one, where the China is coming from and to try to cut the market of the tasks? Because as long as there is someone may be
5: buying these elephant tasks, the the, the the situation will never stop. Okay, Zenzele hold that thought there. I mean, uh Caroline, when we when we introduced the whole um um uh, story um and discussion on the program today, we actually did mention. I mean, around these allegations which Zenzele has alluded to uh, around the San community which lives just outside um the park, talking about harassment from the authorities and uh, Zenzele also just citing some of the incidents there. Let's talk about that. I mean, as we understand it, there have been some people that have been arrested. Um, uh, to believe uh, uh, that they are involved in this whole saga. Now, let's talk about this alleged um, uh, abuse and harassment of the uh, sand community in the, uh, around the park. Caroline? Uh,
3: when, when, when this uh, whole thing broke out, when we discovered that there was poisoning of elephants using cyanide, investigations were carried out. Mm-hmm. But during these investigations, we met with communities. What we've learned is, like uh, the previous speaker said, which I agree with him totally. For as long as communities don't derive meaningful benefits from wildlife, they will see no reason why they should protect it. Mm-hmm. And they were being, they, they were getting twenty dollars. They were being paid twenty dollars to poison the elephants. Mm. Zimbabwe, the Zimbabwe government has introduced what is called a campfire program, which over the years has been very successful. Roads have been, uh, uh, schools have been constructed, the clinics have been constructed. There's been maintenance of road networks in rural areas because of uh, the Campfire Program. The Campfire Program, what it basically does is to say whatever um, 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 money is raised from wildlife, the communities that reside adjacent to these national parks should see meaningful benefits out of it. This is why I was saying at, at the beginning that it was not so much the sun community that was targeted, It was the communities that reside adjacent to these national parks Mm -hmm. to say, let's engage them meaningfully in discussions that have to do with uh, uh, management of wildlife.
5: Now, Caroline, um, as the authorities, have you had people who actually came forward and just also confirmed this uh, $20 payout for poisoning the elephants? And have you found then the perpetrators in that regard, as in the people who were actually paying out the communities, as you allege there?
3: Not, not not only did we did they confirm that they were paid mm-hmm. some of them volunteered to bring the cyanide paper bags of cyanide mm. and it it's it, it surprising and scary to think that probably each household adjacent to these national parks has some quantity of cyanide in it mm. and what when when the the, the the interministerial task force that was sent uh, set up by government when they visited Cholocho, they gave them until the end of this month, to say okay, fine, we're not going to arrest you. Can you please speak to your local chief? Hand over whatever that you have mm-hmm. to the local chief. Mm-hmm. And the local chief even said, "Won't even say your names. Won't even say who the 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 the, 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 the culprits are." Put that in quotes, because the 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 families in cholocho begged government to say, "Look, our, our, our children are now running away from their homes." going to Johannesburg because of the previous arrest that had been made. And up until now, 12 people have been arrested and four have been convicted and sentenced. So it was that environment that they were now running away from. And then the government said, okay, fine, we'll allow you a grace period to volunteer to hand over whatever cyanide you have in your homes.
5: While well, we're getting there, real update there from the people who are there, right there on the ground, getting an update on to exactly what the situation stands like there in Zimbabwe with regards to over a hundred elephants which have been poisoned and have died from Zimbabwe's Hwange National Park. You're still tuned into African Dialogue here on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. My name is Zikon Amiso, and I'm joined on the line by Caroline Washaya Moyo, who's the spokesperson for Zimbabwe's Parks and Wildlife Authority, also the line, we've got Mr. Zenzelendebele Debele, who is with, who's the production manager for Radio Dialogue, bringing the time to 20 minutes after 11 here on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. We're going to branch out to a short break. We will come back and continue with our discussion after this. <laughs> you're back on African Dialogue here on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. We're talking about the situation in Zimbabwe where over a hundred elephants have died from cyanide poisoning. This is in the Zimbabwe Hanguin National Park. Now joining us on the line, we've got Caroline Washayamoyo as well as Mr. Zendelende Bello who are in Dialogue with us this morning as we talk around this particular situation and quite some interesting facts coming out of this. Um, Caroline was alluding to the fact that twelve people have been arrested around these poisonings and four convicted thereof. Talking about the communities around the park having been enticed or rather lured in by being given twenty dollars to actually poison the elephants in the park. Now, Caroline, when we talk about this situation, I'm going to move to you, uh, Mr. Zenzalem, asking you also the same question. When we look at this. Situation for what it's worth, and look at the real core of the problem. I mean, would you not say that it ties in with um, the the hardships that the people actually face themselves, and then finding themselves in a position that they are that they are in to actually accept this money to poison um, the wildlife? There, Caroline.
3: Which is beyond that, like the previous speaker said. There's a market for ivory. There's a market for rhino horn. And the consumers of this particular product, they are not in Zimbabwe, Mm -hmm. they are not in Africa, but they're international. Mm -hmm. So for as long as there's a market, and for as long as our brothers and sisters who are seated somewhere in these communities feel they can make easy money out of it, They'll always be lured into into engaging in these illegal activities.
5: Now, Zenzela, in your view, do you think that there's been enough maybe education um, out there for the people of the continent as a whole, and of course in in Zimbabwe, in the area, to actually um, conserve or rather preserve the wildlife uh, that we have?
6: I think uh, while people realise that the wildlife that they have is uh, important to them, uh, one of the people that I talked to they say that we are living next to the Wanjesaal Park. Mm. Every year our crops are destroyed by these elephants, mm. but the government does not take enough action. Uh, they don't form an interministerial committee to see how they can save us from the hunger. Mm. Every year an elephant kills one person in this area or more and nothing is done but when an elephant dies it's a national it becomes national news, it becomes international news and there is interministerial co- or committee. Let's not let no one these people are wrong. They mm-hmm. are not supposed to poison elephants no matter what they feel is. But when they then see that sometimes they feel elephants are more important than them because when they eat their crops nothing happens, mm-hmm. But when they die they all of a sudden, you know, all these things. I think the government and the ministers I mean the wildlife should do more. To educate these people, make them see value in these elephants, but not only see value, but make them benefit from these elephants. How are they benefiting when they are living 10 kilometers from Wangenestal Park, but they are so poor? One of the women that I talked to did not even have money to go and see her child when he was arrested. That's how poor they are. But they have all these resources that are making millions for other people. So who is
5: benefiting from these resources? Mm. Uh, Caroline Zenzele brings a very interesting point here, which we've also heard actually when we talk about rhino poaching and just poaching in general. I mean, he's bringing a point there saying that the people on the ground feel that the animals have been indeed valued more than them, as he's also, I mean, citing that um, the elephants uh, have said to have been trampling over the people's land and also killing some people but nothing has been done when it happens to them. However, when the elephants um, are, are treated badly or, or even, you know, uh, dying, then the government then only comes out then. What's your view on this? Uh, there's a program called
3: PAC, mm-hmm. Problem Animal Control. Uh-huh. When villagers realize that they are, there's wildlife in their areas, mm. they are then expected to relay the information to the next tax office, which then goes on to handle that particular situation. In any event that wildlife, in any event that wildlife kills a human being, that particular wildlife, not every one of them, that particular Mm -hmm. wildlife is then put to sleep. This is the policy. Because we value human life more than wildlife. There are cases where uh, communities, like the previous meeting we held with the Cholocho community, they complained bitterly about the campfire program which I mentioned to you. They say, look, there are quotas that are given to these campfire programs. To say, this year, for this particular year, you're getting, for example, 10 elephants. When they sell them, the money is then supposed to go back to the community and, you know, change their lives for the positive. But there were allegations and counter-allegations of abuse of funds by the management within uh, Campfire, which Mm. is one issue government said they are immediately
5: going to look into. And it's currently being solved. Zenzele, your view on this? I think I agree with her
6: entirely that as long as resources are there and people see elephants, but they don't benefit them, they are going to, they are not going to... Of the animal. because this campfire project is not helping them. If we are talking about the same people, we are talking about people who have been hunter gatherers. But when they were stopped to to hunt, nothing was done to make sure that they can also own cattle, to farm, to have drone power like people. These are the guys who one the most educated person is not reached my trick. Mm-hmm. Most of them they cannot read, they cannot write. ride. they survive by almost being slaves. for so in the early in the Kalanga, that community, they. They live in urgent poverty, and nothing is done yet. They are just a few kilometers from elephants, which benefit them. So, if the campfire project cannot help these men improve their lives, why should they see value in the elephant?
5: Okay, now before we move and delve into that a little bit more, I'd just like to ask, I mean, when we talk about over 100 elephants that have actually died from this one isolated um, incident alone, what are the real long-term implications for the area and, of course, the continent and the wildlife at large, you know, in the long long run when we have, you know, over 100 elephants that have died at one go? Caroline?
3: I mean, for starters, it poses as a threat to wildlife conservation, Mm -hmm. not only in Zimbabwe, but in Africa. Because if you look at the statistics, uh, the SADIC region is the only region that has sound uh, elephant Mm populations. So it does pose as a threat. It also poses as a a threat to the environment. And like I was saying, environmental management agencies who are the professionals to do with the handling of hazardous substances We'll be in a better position to explain exactly what happens. But if you look at the statistics that I gave you, it targets any other species that it gets in contact with. You're talking of if a fly feeds on that particular elephant, it dies. If a lion, like in the previous case, a lion died as a result of that. So it it, it is untold ecological disasters. Mm. Zenzele?
6: Yeah, I, I think the, the, the disaster goes beyond the, yes, of course, the wildlife, but also these people. I think she talked about, you know, what happens if this water or the, this finite contaminates the water bodies. We are talking about the 100 elephants that have died, maybe more. Now I think I like had 100 and naturally the elephants that have died. My question is, who is with these tasks? Where are they? Is the government worried about finding out what... Because if one person was arrested for having a, 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 a killed an elephant and took the task, they should tell us who they gave the task, and that person should then inform until we get to the last. But we are not hearing what happened to those elephant tasks. It looks like somewhere, somehow, someone is deliberately keeping quiet because there's someone in a senior position who has an elephant task and is not... People are afraid to tell him. If we arrested one person, this one person should lead us. To the hundred tasks that you killed or that were taken away.
5: So, do you believe that there are some people, you know, in powerful positions who, who also have a hand in, in the whole situation as a whole, Zenzele?
6: There are people who are involved, people who sort the Sinai are not ordinary citizens. There are people who are high up, who facilitated. She talked about the, the elephants being, I mean, the task being big business, international. Mm-hmm. The people who are facilitating. So these tasks to leave the country mm. are not ordinary citizens, are people with connections. There might be law enforcement agents involved. There might be senior people involved. Who are those people? Because if they are not identified, the problem will continue and our elephants will keep on dying.
5: Well, that is Zenzel uh, citing the, his views around the real problem there, saying that it might mean uh, that there are some people in power who are actually part and parcel of the problem in itself, saying there is no way that the ordinary people on the ground would have access to Sinai to begin with, and of course saying that the uh, the, the tusks, the elephant tusks, are indeed a booming business internationally. We're listening to African Dialogue here on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. My name is Z- Miso. And the time has just gone 30 minutes after 11 Central African Time. Please do remember that African Dialogue comes to you every Monday to Thursday at 1100 hours Central African Time. And remember to please interact with us. Find us on Facebook, tweet us at Channel Africa 1 or simply SMS your views to plus 27823325905. That's plus 27823325905. We're going to move to a short break. We'll carry on after this.
1: Oh,
5: Welcome back to African Dialogue here on Channel Africa. My name is Zikon Amisa. Today we're discussing an issue which is quite delicate, as we have seen um, throughout our discussion today. We're talking about over 100 elephants which have died from Zimbabwe's Hwange National Park. And, of course, all the things that link in to look at what is it that has resulted in this particular situation. Of course, Caroline Moyo, who's the spokesperson for Zimbabwe's Parks and Wildlife Authority, has cited, you know, the issues Around the conservation um, uh, cons, which this could have on the continent as a whole, and of course what it would mean for future generations, losing a hundred over a hundred elephants at one go. Now, Zenzela when we talk about the situation, we've been going back and forth, you know, talking about the elephants um, uh, having died and having been treated badly by the people around them, and also you've cited, you know, that the people living in the area with the elephants are not too happy about them. Some of them have been killed by the elephants and some of them feel that the elephants have been trampling on their livelihoods, which is, of course, uh, the crops that they've built around um, the park as a whole. Now, in your view, what is it that really needs to be done to ensure coexistence you know, of the animals and the people around the area?
6: I think the first thing is that people need to be taught about the value of these elephants, what it means. We don't want our children to grow and then uh, see elephants from uh, you know books and television when they are all these animals around them. Secondly, people need to benefit from these resources. There's no way people should go hungry when there's elephants and each year people hunt uh, and make millions out of them. There's no way people should... They used to pay their school fees, like the property I saw in Toronto, just a few kilometers from the national park. People cannot send their children to school. People cannot afford a decent meal, but they have all elephants that are killed. Not only elephants, but all, every year they're hunting quarters, the millions of dollars are made. But... They are poverty. As long as people are poor, they are going to be used. And some rich will drive all the way from Harare, pay a village at $20. That village will be sentenced to 16 years in jail, and you go and look for a villager in $20. So it is always the poor who are going to suffer in this case. And there is need for these people to be made aware of the dangers of them killing the elephants because they have been also to see value in that, so that when they see the elephant, they see money, they see wealth, and that way they've got jealousy,
5: natural resources. Caroline, your view around the coexistence of of the the community and, of course, the wildlife um, in the area. Zenzel has made some very interesting points about uh, making sure that the people actually do also benefit from all that everybody else is benefiting from, from the park.
3: I I, I think, let let me start by saying that we'd love a situation Mm. where by when we arrest or we make arrests, these particular persons that we arrest, or these particular persons that end up being convicted and sentenced, talk. By talk, I mean they say who has sent them. They're not talking. They're keeping the information to them to themselves, and as a result, they're having to f- face the full brunt of the law. Number one. Mm-hmm. Number two. I think as Zimbabwe Tax and Wildlife Management Authority, we're going to scale up our efforts. Currently, we're resource uh, uh, challenged, but we're going to scale up our efforts and ensure that we engage all the communities that reside adjacent to our national parks, carry out educational awareness campaign programs, and, like the government promised, ensure that they derive meaningful benefits from that particular elephant that they see every day, but do not see a need to protect it.
5: Now, Caroline, um, when we talk about, I mean, you are, are, are really harping at the fact that the people who are being used um, by Uzenzele, the people that Zenzele is highlighting here, who are really behind um, this, this situation as a whole, should actually talk to the authorities. Now, for somebody who's listening on the line right now and who may actually think to themselves, actually, I know somebody and I would like to talk. Was there any form of leniency that they may face? As you say, at this stage, that the people on the ground are the ones That are facing the full might of the law As opposed to those who are actually behind These deeds
3: What I meant was The ones that have been arrested Mm -hmm. Talk of Akim Akim was arrested and in four days His case was completed Mm -hmm. But Akim never Never implicated anyone senior Mm -hmm. All he told us is Okay I'll tell you where the ivory is Mm -hmm. I hid seven along the railway line I hid the other six the crime scene. And exactly that's where we found the ivory from. Mm -hmm. Beyond that, he did not say anything else. So does we hear a lot of stories about Uh the senior people that are involved in poaching. Who are they? Can you please give us evidence? With issues to do with court cases, Mm -hmm. you don't just walk in and present a name
5: without evidence. Mm. Now, Caroline, I I was asking asking my question.
3: My question was to the grave.
5: My question was, as you've explained in Akim's situation, as you say, is there some form of leniency that uh, people then receive after actually assisting the authorities in the investigation?
3: The authority currently is working. Some of the information will be surprised. Some of the information that we're getting, we're getting it through our informers. Mm. Those people can also act as informers.
5: Well, that is Caroline Washaya Moyo, spokesperson for Zimbabwe's Parks and Wildlife Authorities, says the people who are even involved or those who have been used as pawns in this particular um, uh, situation can actually be informers for the authority and receive some form of leniency, as, as she explained in that anecdote of Akeem, uh, one of the members whose uh, a case was solved within four days after he assisted the authorities with their investigation. Bringing the time now almost 20 minutes. Before the top of the hour and that unfortunately means we don't have much time to continue with our discussion here but just as we wrap up Zenzele, I'd just like to ask I mean on the continent and just worldwide we are facing quite a number of issues around poaching and particularly threats to the wildlife now Africa is the continent where you we are rich in our um, in in, in, in uh, our resources as well as our wildlife so to speak when we have situations like this where we're losing elephants all um, the Hundred elephants at one go, and people also being and not being able to coexist with the wildlife. Where to from here, in your view, and what really needs to be done from this day on to move forward and not have a situation like we're discussing here today? Zenzele.
6: I think, uh, like you said, awareness is very important for people to know the value. But we also need to fight poverty. As long as there is someone who is poor and the other one with the money, our people are always going to be used. And I think we need to be open. We need to share information. Let's not make sure. I mean, we have to make sure that no one in the process, in the process of this, is actually protected. Because I still have a lot of questions to say. Mm. Where did the finance come from? Who supplied them? Who is the, the real market behind them? Obviously, the person who was sent doesn't know. Probably they know where they are supposed to drop the ivory, but mm-hmm. they don't know where it's going. So they will not, that needs to be bad, Because as long as we don't cut to the market, there is always going to be demand for ivory. And more anything are going to be killed in the process. Mm.
5: Caroline, now, in, 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 with regards to this particular investigation, what are the next steps that you will be taking? As, of course, we will be following closely what comes out of your investigations.
3: Uh. We we are engaging with the professionals, we are engaging with our sister organisation that is the Environmental Management Agency to ensure that they tighten security around the handling of cyanide. Mm. Because he asked a question to say where is the cyanide coming from? Mm. The
5: cyanide is coming from... You may carry on, Caroline. Hello? Yes, Caroline, you may carry on. Caroline, are you still on the line?
3: Hello.
5: Caroline? We seem to have lost our guests there. And it's such a very crucial point where she was really giving us those closing remarks as to exactly what steps they will be taking from here on with regards to this particular investigation. A very interesting discussion all round as we were discussing around over 100 elephants that have died due to cyanide poisoning at Zimbabwe's Hangwe National Park. Really a multi-layered situation there. We had Zenzelinda Linda, production manager at Radio Dialogue there, talking around um, the big city Syndicates, you know, alleging that there are really some bigger syndicates that are out there that are using the people on the ground who are poverty-stricken to actually assist them in playing out um, this uh, poaching, which they do, and obviously getting hold of those tusks, which are making a booming business worldwide. Now, we had Caroline Washayamoyo who's the spokesperson for Zimbabwe's Parks and Wildlife Authority, talking about uh, making sure that the people really know the value of the animals and actually coexisting with them so that they understand why it's important to actually uh, preserve and take care of them as opposed to also falling into the trap of these big syndicates and killing them or rather poisoning them like a Zimbabwe situation. Bringing the time now almost 15 minutes before the top of the hour, you're still tuned into African Dialogue here on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. You're more than welcome to also share your sentiments with us around this particular issue and I mean it's not only elephants that are facing a real threat on the continent. But also, of course, as we all know, the rhino is also facing a similar problem from these big syndicates, as Zenzele was alluding to. So you can send us your sentiments or any comments and questions that you may have. Find us on Facebook, tweet us at Channel Africa 1, or simply SMS your views to plus plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five. 325905. That's plus 27823 325905. Although, unfortunately, due to technical glitches, we had to lose our guests there on the line. We'd still like to thank them for the contribution which they had on today's show. That was, of course, Caroline Washaya Moyo, spokesperson from Zimbabwe's Parks and Wildlife Authority, as well as Mr. Zenzelet Ndebele from The prose the production manager from Radio Dialogue. They're really giving us a very interesting dialogue on the show today. With that, it's time for us to move to a short break. When we come back, it'll be time for our economics update. <laughs> We'll tuned into African Dialogue here on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. My name is Zikony Muso, and it's 15 minutes before the top of the hour. And you know what that means? It's time for us to check what's happening in our economics with Wisani Matebula.
2: Good morning, Zikona. The South African Airways is gearing to establish a hub in West Africa in two years' time. The airline is also exploring opportunities to help build its capacity for the Nigerian government. Its CEO says a boosting connectivity between South and West will lift intra-regional trade and show up as a a share of the African market. The airline says it's also reviewing the suitability of at least five African countries, Nigeria, Ghana, Senegal, Gabon and Togo for a new base. Feasibility studies are expected to be concluded in six to 12 months. SAA's latest turnaround strategy identifies Africa as its major strategic focus. The airline will be working with Air Traffic Navigation Services and Airports Company South Africa in the coming months to identify overlapping projects between the three state-owned groups that are focused on extending the reach of their services into Africa as part of identifying the best location for a hub. And Angola has adopted laws to govern future financial markets that uh, it plans to launch in the beginning of next year. So says an official from one of Africa's fastest-growing economies plans to make the country's capital, Luanda, a financial trading hub, have been on the books for a long time but have been delayed by technical problems as well as lack of legal footing to guarantee transparency. The country's Capital Market Commission says the plan now is to launch a bond market next year ahead of the opening of the stock market in 2016. The move is part of the government's strategy to bolster the importance of the national currency, the Kwanzaa, away from the U.S. dollar and diversify its economy from oil production. The resource-rich state is the second largest oil producer in sub-Saharan Africa after Nigeria. South Africa's financial and fiscal commission Says government's current delivery Of houses is unsustainable Chairperson Bungani Kumalo Has briefed journalists in parliament on the commission's Report on finding alternative Finance for effective and Sustainable housing delivery The report is a result of research Started in 2011 and is aimed At providing solutions to the growing Housing backlog Among the challenges the report has highlighted Are a decline in the amount Of housing units delivered against the resources allocated as well as the quality of the units. Kumalo says the current model needs to be reviewed.
0: The current approach might not actually be sustainable. Uh, If we were to look at the demands and we have to eliminate those by 2020, uh, the total amount that would be required by that period is close on what? I think it's about 800 billion rand because i'm saying per year you'd need over 100 something billion right now we are l- around about 30 something billion
2: and the social development department in south africa says it's talking to the reserve bank uh, to ensure that the uh, debit orders do not go through following allegations that pensions distributor Cash Pay Master Services has been sharing the social grants database with some companies. Social Development Minister Batabile Lamini last week said she was considering legal action against the company, including terminating the multi-million dollar contract with it. This comes after talks between Lamini and the pensions distributor fail. The company is being referred to sell airtime and grant loans. The department spokesperson Lumka Olifant.
6: This week uh, we're going to be meeting with the various people that are involved in this matter, uh, including like, the reserve there, they can do and make sure that they, they don't allow any deduction. Also saying to our people that SAFA does not sell a time. They should not buy any time or respond to any numbers that they are given.
2: And that's your economics news for now. I'm back in an hour's time with another update.
5: Thank you to Wisani Matebula for that economics update. You're still tuned in to African Dialogue here on Channel Africa the voice of the African Renaissance. My name is Zikona Miso. Please go visit our webpage. That's where you'll get all of our uh, uh, our previous shows. If you have missed the show, like a very interesting show which you have missed today if you've just tuned in. We are of course talking about more than 100 elephants which have died due to cyanide poisoning in Zimbabwe's Hwange National Park. Go to our website visit it, it's www.channelafrica.org www.channelafrica.org and with that, it's time for us to check what's happening in our sports with Tami Kruza.
0: Thanks for joining us in your sports update. Let's start with soccer. The South African Football Association, SAFA, and the Premier Soccer League, the PSL, yesterday congratulated Orlando Pirates on their qualification for the CAF Champions League final after their one-all draw against Esperanza in Tunisia on Saturday night. Pirates secured their passage to the final on their away goal rule after holding the Tunisians to a goalless draw at Orlando Stadium a fortnight ago. The Soweto Giant will face Al-Akhla of Egypt in a two-legged CAF Champions League semi-final next month. The president of the Nigerian Football Federation, Amino Magari, has congratulated Nigeria's Under-17 team on their win against Mexico at the ongoing FIFA Under-17 World Cup. The Golden Eagles thresh defending champions by six goals to one in their opening match of the tournament at the Khalifa Bin Zayed Stadium in Alliance City in the United Arab Emirates on Saturday. Tony Obani reports
6: president of the Nigeria Football Federation, Alajami Megare has commended the efficiency of the under seventeen national team, also known as the Golden Eagles, in their sixth one devolution of the World Champions Mexico, and the under seventeen World Cup Finals in our A city on Saturday in the first match of Nigeria's same appearance in the World Cup and the Tony man of the Manojana produced a near-flammage performance to easily consign the cup holders to adjust to in the United Arab Emirates Megari said I am thrilled and I must say that indeed these boys have done our country proud a week ago we got a 10 legs into the 24th World Cup final was won in Ethiopia now our boys are looking very very good at the under-17 World Cup surely our football is on a positive rebound however I want to tell the high- to see this at the beginning, the they have six more matches to win, to lead the trophy, and that is our target.
0: The three-year ban on a former Nigerian CAF and FIFA Executive Committee member, Dr. Amos Adamo, slammed on by the Federation of International Football Association FIFA, has expired, thus making the Nigerian high-profile sport administrator free again to participate in football activities within and within and outside Nigeria. But contrary to expectations, Dr. Adam has declared that he is not in a hurry to return to football administration in CAF, FIFA, as well as in West African Football Union. The former West African Football Union president noted that he learned lots of mistakes during his period of incarceration and on return now, he would be delving into sports business and not sports administration as it was the case before his ban. And now in tennis, tennis Zimbabwe has appointed Regis Bungu as the association's new president. He will take on from N Martin, who whose two-year contract term ended last month. Bungu has been Martin's assistant after serving the association for three years. Bungu believes that a junior development is the only way to raise the sports back to its glory. Bungu says that they need to sit down with the provinces and give them an outline of what they expect them to do in order to be attractive. And that can help in terms of awareness and sponsors coming in too, to support the association. And finally with golf, the former Korean World number 1 amateur Jim Join has won the ISPS Hunter Perth International for his first European tour success. He has beaten Ross Fisher in a playoff after both finished on 10 under par. James Coyn by Perth but has lived in the Melbourne for at least seven years, says that this means a lot to him. Oh, yeah, it
4: means a lot. I was, I was waiting for something like this for a long time. And With uh, Ross Fisher, he's one of my heroes as well. <laughs> playing with him in the playoff, it was, uh, yeah, it was just unbelievable. Um, I was going to go back to Q School second stage the um, week after next week, but I guess I don't have to anymore. So it's definitely a um, good thing to have.
0: That's the end of our sport and back to the corner, miso.
5: Thank you to Tammy for that sports update here on African Dialogue. And unfortunately, that does bring us to the end of this installment of the show. Please continue to send us your questions and comments on our SMS line, which is plus 27823325905. Or you're welcome to tweet us at Channel Africa 1 using the hashtag African Dialogue or Facebook us on our Channel Africa page, which you will find there on Facebook. For now, it's adios from me, Zucona So Please do tune in tomorrow to African Dialogue as we will be looking at the liberation of air transport on the continent. should be a very interesting one. So do tune in tomorrow at 11 uh, Central African time. But for now, stay with us here on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Next up is Africa Midday with Benjamin Mushadama. <laughs>